0: is our last Sunday in our Desert Island Delights series. You enjoyed it? It's been great, isn't it? And we've got two people up this morning. But I want to show you a picture that I saw online this week, which I thought would be a good illustration for this morning. I'll just wait while those of you who are slower on these things process it and work it out. I thought it was really good. Lucky for us, the cartoonist is a lousy speller. Do you get it? Desert island, desert island. I thought, it was, I, I thought it was funnier than that. Maybe it's just me. Okay, Dan and I liked it. Okay, we thought it was great. Thank you, Rich. Uh, so, uh, so there you go. Our final Sunday in Desert Island delights. If you watch out on the app this week... We will be taking a vote for what we think was the best passage chosen. So we're not not making a judgment on people's preach. We're saying what was the best passage chosen and the reason they gave. But you need to watch out on your app this week and then vote for your favorite one. And we will reveal the winner next Sunday complete with a drum roll. So whoever's on band next week, I want a drum roll, please, okay? Just get get practicing on your drum rolls. Okay, so Caroline and Rich, why don't you come and join us uh, down here at the front so you're around here. <laughs> Who's gonna go first? Caroline's up first. Okay, so let's welcome Caroline. The floor is yours. You can either leave that in there or you can take it off and wander around. You can yeah. do what you like. No.
1: I'll leave it's it all there, yours. As long as you can hear me. Um, I appreciated the joke, Graham, because I also saw that online this week. And some of you that may know that I've actually been on an island this week, I've spent the last week on Linda's farm, oh, wow. um, which has been amazing. So so it was... Uh, I appreciate it, even if anyone else didn't. Um... Okay, so um, I'm going to look at um, Proverbs 3. So this will be an opportunity for you to, if you want to find it in your Bible. Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. So it was a tough one, and I'm sure everyone that's been up here and had to do this, there are so many verses to choose from, so many verses that have been significant to your lives, to your walk. But this is one that has stayed with me um, Pretty much from my early days as a Christian, um, and it's one that has, you know, been consistent. It's one that I've always gone back to, um, and has been really f- focal in my life. So um, I'm going to look at the ESV version. Um, it won't be that much different, and then the en- and then the New King James version. So I'm going to read the first version. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. I think the NIV version is probably not that much different um, than that. And then the New King James Version. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So I like uh, that as well. So it's a significant verse for me because it has really helped during difficult uh, challenges in my life. Um, and you can break it down, there's just so much in there. It seems like such a small passage, but there are kind of four principles that, um, that have helped me um, in terms of that verse. The first one is trusting in the Lord. Um, so trust doesn't come easy Um, especially from someone who has trusted people in the past and been let down. Uh, You begin to build up walls, you begin to build up barriers um, and then you eventually learn not to trust anybody because you just don't want to be hurt, you don't want to be let down. You you begin to close yourself off um, and not depending on anybody at all. Because you don't, and you tend to do everything yourself as well because you just, it's not worth, you know, trusting other people. But I've had to learn that God is not like a person. And where people may let us down, God is faithful and He can be trusted completely. And He asks us to take a step of faith and trust Him um, without wavering, without doubt as he has the ability to come through for us. he's got. He's asking for our whole heart to trust him. He's asking us to trust in him completely. And that's tough, especially when you do have trust issues. But when you've walked with God for some time, you learn that he can be trusted because he's true to his word. He keeps his promises whether that is for provision, protection, comfort, and healing, and throughout my life, I've seen all of those, Um, raising two kids pretty much on my own without the financial support of a husband, um, the kids without a father. It's been tough, but um, we've never gone hungry. We've never, um, there's never been a time when we haven't had money, when there hasn't been some provision. You know, whether it be a a, a grocery hamper from sh- church or the miraculous time that someone dropped a £1,000 in cash, in an envelope, through my door because they knew that I didn't have money to pay my bills. That's, that's God, you know, and um, we can trust him in that. Sometimes it's 11th hour and you're on the edge of your seat and you're thinking, come on, God. But he never fails. He's always there when I've needed him. So that's how it's become easy to trust God. The second thing we're told in that verse is that we're told not to lean on our own understanding. And again, this is a challenge for me. I'm by nature a problem solver and a fixer. So if I see a problem, I fix it or I try to. But there are some problems that can't be fixed from a limited human perspective. You look at them and you think no there's literally it's literally impossible it's an impossible situation but not necessarily so there are just some problems that require a heavenly perspective and a heavenly vision because God alone sees the future God alone knows the outcome and we can only see in part so even when things seem to be getting worse or nothing is changing And we need not to try to understand it with our own perspective. This is where we go back to the trust. It might be chaos all around, but if we trust God and try not to rely on our own limited knowledge and vision of a situation, then we can still have peace in the midst of it. The third thing, in all your ways acknowledge him. And this is a call to walk close and consistent path with God in our actions, in our words, in our spiritual and secular lives, at home and at work. And having been on Lindisfarne this week and seeing the way that God is just a rhythm and pattern of their daily life, from their sort of regular daily prayers to just evidence of him there in, in nature, in creation, uh, talking to the local people and the faith that they have. and um, it's hard not to see god everywhere (laughs) when you're there that's why they call it holy island Um, and it's it was tough coming back if i'm honest um because the minute you come back you lose a little bit of that you see you know everything begins coming in and taking over and it's hard to to keep god in the middle of absolutely everything but it's something that we need to try to do um and and for god to be consistent Um, not just in the crisis, but in the blessing too. Uh, I'm sure this I'm not the only one here, but I'm incredibly close to God in the middle of a crisis. (laughs) Because you're on your knees, you're desperate, come on. But when things are going well and life is ticking along, sometimes you can drift away a little bit um, from having God at the centre of everything that you do. Um, And we need to... um, Sorry, just get my thoughts here. It's easy to acknowledge God and talk about Him to others when life is going great, but much more of a challenge when we are suffering or struggling, when life has not been kind. And in addition, we need to acknowledge God not just in church on Sunday, but throughout the week. It needs to permeate our lives. And what happens when we do this? And that's the fourth uh, principle. He promises to make our path straight. So anyone who does any walking in the countryside will know that paths can be bumpy, uneven, have obstacles in the way. They can meander, they can be steep, and even treacherous if we're close to a cliff edge. And sometimes they disappear completely. And we stand there scratching our heads, wondering which direction, which path are we going. And as is often the case with me, you get completely lost so that's a bit like life really isn't it Um, but if we trust god if we don't lean on our own understanding if we acknowledge and allow his presence to permeate every area of our life he promises to make our paths straight so that doesn't necessarily mean easy we'd like it to mean easy it doesn't always mean easy but it's straight it means clear it means easy to follow and I particularly like the, the New King James Version translation where it says, He will direct your path. And that gives me this image, this sense of God in front of me, leading me by my hand, knowing the obstacles, knowing the pitfalls, and pulling me in the right direction, away from danger, and directing my steps and leading me to my final destination, which is eternity with Him.
0: Fantastic. Thank you, Carol. That's brilliant. Wow. There's been some fantastic passages, chokes, haven't there? You know, I I wonder if you've given this some more thought yourself. Was it two weeks ago we had a bit of a different morning and many of you shared very briefly what passage you might seek to rescue from your Bible if you were stranded on a (laughs) desert island. (laughs) And uh, you know what page would you rip out if you only save one page? What would it be? We've had some fascinating and really wonderful uh, examples of uh, different passages that people would save and why, and just to hear the stories there. So it's been a really interesting uh, summer as we've, we've we've gone through all these. And now it's the last one up. So let's welcome Rich as he comes. <laughs>
2: I've told my wife, when I get to eight minutes, to wave. When I get to ten, throw something. So, I am wearing a watch, but most of the time, if I'm honest, it's not actually set to the right time, so it's a bit pointless.
0: You've got 20 minutes, mate, you're fine.
2: 20, 20, okay. Well, for me, if I was stranded on a desert island it's easy what passages of the Bible I would pick. I would take the life of Joseph. I would grab my Bible. I would sacrilegiously rip those pages out and swim for dear life to my island. And there's three reasons why I take the life of Joseph. The first is because my brother growing up always called me Joseph. He always said that I was the favorite child because I got away with anything. I tried to speak truth into his life and say that I'm the favorite child for many more reasons than just that, but it fell on deaf ears. So the second reason I chose the life of Joseph, and a bit more serious, is because Joseph grew up with a very clearly defined sense of calling and purpose upon his life. And that's always resonated with me. Some of you know that When when I was an infant, I was healed of spina bifida. I was not only healed of spina bifida, I had a deformed breathing diaphragm. But through a prophetic word and through a miracle, I was born. I wouldn't say perfect, but not ill, not in a wheelchair, not crippled. And so, just like Joseph, I've always known that the life that I have, the body that I have, has been God-given to me. And God doesn't do things without having a purpose. So I've never had to struggle with knowing that my life is significant, knowing that my life has a purpose in Christ. And I felt very strongly that I share that with Joseph. And the third reason I've picked the life of Joseph is because the truths that are contained within the story have probably meant more to me over my years as a Christian than any other story in the Bible. And so I'm just going to mention three very quickly. And the first truth is that God calls us even though we are seriously flawed individuals. I'm going to assume that everyone here knows the story of Joseph, at least fairly well. So Joseph was given two dreams. And in these dreams, God called him to a position of power, a position of significance and of influence. But Joseph was pretty egocentric. He was pretty arrogant. Now in Joseph's family, his brothers already hated him because he was the favorite child and he knew it. And so can you imagine when Joseph comes after his dreams to the breakfast table of the family with the brothers that already despise him and says to them, not only am I mom and dad's favorite, I'm God's favorite. He's given me a dream, people. Listen to my dream. And in my dream, you were bowing down before me. And you'd think that anyone with a grain of pastoral wisdom would know that that is a bad idea. Not Joseph. He does it a second time, except the second time he says, Oh, and mum and dad, you were there too, bowing down before me. So if we bring that into modern day into our times today, I think Joseph would fit in quite well in our society that is very me-focused. Joseph would be the first one to sign up to Canaan's Got Talent. He'd wanna be the star. He'd wanna be the number one. And so you can see that Joseph was a seriously flawed individual, but that didn't stop the truth that God did have a plan for his life. God did lay that plan and calling upon Joseph. So the first truth is that God calls us even though we're seriously flawed and undeserving of that calling. And that certainly has resonated in my life. I won't confess all my weaknesses and flaws to you, but there are many. The second truth is that God is good no matter what our circumstances say. So Joseph's life really goes from bad to worse. His father sends him out on an errand to go and check up on his brothers that love him so tenderly. Seeing him coming, they decide to murder him. They decide to kill him, to write him off and to cover it up. They have a bit of a change of heart. Instead, they just beat him up to within an inch of his life, throw him in a cistern and decide to sell him into slavery in Egypt. But you think your family's dysfunction? dysfunctional. I think Joseph's is a little bit more. But it doesn't stop there. He's sold into slavery in Egypt, and then he's accused of raping his slave master's wife. Then he's slung in prison for for maybe a year or more. Whilst in prison, God uses him to interpret a couple of dreams for a couple of other prisoners. Joseph remained faithful, and he said to one of them, remember me when you meet Pharaoh. Tell him I'm innocent. Tell him that I don't belong here, and tell him to set me free the guy forgets all about Joseph and he spends another two years in prison. Now, what's amazing about this is that at each step deeper and deeper into trouble, the Bible says, but the Lord was with Joseph. And that immediately raises a question in my mind of, well, if God is good and God was with Joseph, why did all this bad stuff keep happening to him? If God is a God of justice, why did God not do something about the injustice that happened to Joseph? He was lied about by, his bro- by Potiphar's wife. He was abused by his brothers and sold into slavery. What kind of a God allows stuff like that to happen? It's a very relevant question. But the truth is that the Bible never promised us an easy life. In fact, Jesus often said it was going to be hard. We're to expect trials. But through the life of Joseph, you see the amazing truth that still applies to us today, that no matter what life throws at us, God is faithful and he promises to be with us through the trials and through the storms, just as Caroline's just shared there. The path isn't always easy, but God is with us on the path. I've not looked once at my wife. I have no idea what time I'm on. Seven minutes. Okay, I think that's enough. So, the second truth, God is good no matter what our circumstances say. The third truth is that God's purposes for us are bigger than us. So, whilst they include us, they're not actually all about us. And that's a lesson that Joseph had to learn. When he received the calling of God, when he received the dreams and the visions, he thought it was all about him. You know, my God's great because he's going to make me great, I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to have the position. I'm going to heal people. I'm going to do this. But there became there came a, a change in Joseph's heart when he realized that, no, the purposes of God are about God. They're about his goodness. And anything that I do is actually all about him. And so by the time you get to the end of the story, by the time that you get to the point where Joseph's brothers come, and they do bow down before him. They're bowing down before a very different man. They're bowing down before a man that has learned what the purpose of his life is, what the call upon God's life actually meant. And he says those words, don't be angry with yourselves. It wasn't really you that sent me here. It was God that brought me here so that I could save many. So Joseph had learned that the call of God upon his life was far bigger than just himself. But it goes even further than that, and I believe this applies to us today as well, that this side of eternity, we can only understand so much of the significance of God and the call upon our lives. I don't think Joseph realized that by saving his dysfunctional family, by saving the nations, the nation of Egypt, by saving the the nations all around Egypt, I don't think he realized that his life fitted into the eternal narrative of the salvation of mankind and the reconciliation between man and God. In Genesis 15, God promised Abraham that his descendants would be slaves in a foreign land for 400 years. That land just happened to be the land Joseph brought his family to. He was playing a part in the covenant relationship of God and Israel. The brothers that he saved, one of whom being Judah, Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the direct descendant. I don't think Joseph ever realized that he was saving the line that the Messiah of all the world was gonna come come from. I think he does now in heaven, that side of eternity, But on this side of eternity, I don't think it would have even crossed his mind. So the third truth is that God's call for us is bigger than us. Whilst it includes us, it's not about us in the end. Just as the call upon Joseph's life wasn't all about Joseph, it was far greater than him. And so God's call on our lives is far greater than we could ever imagine. So that's just three of the truths from this story that, for me, over the years, have been really, really precious. And I think that's 10 minutes.
0: That's great, Rich, well done. Well, thank you, both of you, Caroline and Rich, this morning, you know, that someone's communicating well. well. I know someone's communicating well when I'm not looking at my watch thinking, how long have they been up for? So I, I guess I've given something away if you're ever preaching and I'm sitting here like this. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you're not noticing the time, you think, oh, you're just, uh, you know, hanging on every word and learning so much. So thank you, Rich and Caroline, for sharing your desert island delights with us this morning so look forward to seeing which passage is going to make it maybe maybe we'll have a top three i don't know um, but you'll get a chance to vote this week on the app and we will reveal the winner next sunday so shall we pray and uh, uh then we're going to have refreshments you can go through to the box and uh, stay around and join us for that so let's pray together father we want to thank you this morning for your presence with us Thank you, Lord, that you have been close to us and indeed are close to us. And we thank you too for all we've looked at over these summer weeks uh, as different passages have been shared by different people explaining why they meant something and what was important about them. We, We thank you, Lord, that you've been speaking to us. And thank you, Lord, for each of us. We'll have our own stories of particular moments of you speaking and highlighting different passages of Scripture to us. Thank you that your word is living and active. And thank you, Lord, it does us good. So, Father, we, we pray now, uh, once again, you'd be with us this week. Father, we pray we would take your presence into every situation and conversation we have that you'll be glorified through our lives and made famous in our city and beyond. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk
1: and we'll come along on any Sunday morning.